Hello and welcome to episode 63, Property Mastermind Podcast with Hilary Saxton. Today, the top three property development problems answered. This is going to be an epic episode, dialing into some of that amazing knowledge that Bob Anderson has, but your top three problems that we know and we see on a very regular basis, we're going to answer those for you to help you on your property journey. So let's jump into episode 63. And welcome to episode 63, Property Mastermind Podcast with Hilary Saxton. The top three property development problems answered as usual, or as mostly, the amazing Bob Anderson is here with me today. What a fanfare. What a thanks for coming, Bob. Oh, it's always good fun. I love it. Talking about property development. It's not hard. It's always Sitting next to you. I mean, how good can it get? (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Hey, before we kick off into the three biggest problems and we answer them for you, let's let's give away a a copy of uh, Secrets of Property Millionaires Exposed, this book that I'm holding up for those that are watching us on YouTube. You may, of course, be watching us or listening to us on Spotify or Apple or you could be uh, driving a car or wherever you are. But we do give away a book each week. Sometimes I give away a free coaching session. This week, the book's going to Trevor Staley. I spoke with Trevor yesterday. So Trevor, sending this book out to you. Remember what Bob says, head straight to page 121 and, and get get excited about property development, which I know you already are from our WeChat yesterday. But anyway, Bob. Yeah. Well, what's going on? Before we dive into the podcast, uh, what's, what's happening in your world? Um... Plenty. <laughs> there is plenty happening well, in the world. Yeah, what is happening in your world? On the work front? Yeah, let's talk property development. Before we jump into those three things, that, well, just so you know, this we just get in here and have a yarn and try and give really good uh, content. So. Well, well you, know, you know what's going on at the moment because you're helping organise it. But I mean, the month of October coming up. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, it's only a month away. Lots happening. A lot happening for people who want to get to know us a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, yeah, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, 8th of October, 15th of October, 22nd of October. And they are half days. Saturday afternoon, yeah, I think uh, 2.30 or 5.30. Yes. After 5.30, the fun begins. That's when we network and go and have a drink or three. Uh, so that's, yeah, 8, 15, 22, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. Uh, there'll be some good education content, some fun, probably We're going panel. to be talking quite a bit about finance, actually, mm. which you might find uh, very interesting. It, it is. It's very important finance. Yeah. yeah so we'll, we'll have uh, it's good education content for three hours and some great networking. Yes. Quite often the networking goes for longer than the than the three hour education component. But that, that's good. Yes, that is good. And then we've got our masterclass on the eighth of October. That's in the morning. Yeah. So uh, Sydney time, uh, nine till twelve thirty. Brisbane time. Brisbane time will be well that little bit earlier. So we okay. have said other dates in the past, mm. but we've realised that it's a public holiday in New South Wales, and we thought, oh, people might want to go away. So we we did push that out a week. So if, sorry for those who had marked it in the diary, but you're probably driving your car. Yeah. And you didn't. But if you're on our database, you you know we send out an email every Thursday, and everything you need to know is on there. And if you're not on there and you'd like to jump on our database, head over to the website, just cl- click into uh, download the ebook or. Um, maybe even just subscribe. Mm. Even in the bottom of this podcast, I'm sure the, yeah. the powers that be can put something in the bottom for Oh, us. there are some powerful people that, uh, within our organisation. There's some people we're scared of, hey? Yeah. Oh, we are. And, of course, let's not forget the big event, 
Yes. The three-day live in-person workshop. Bob Anderson. Stroke party, stroke learn and have a good time on the side mm-hmm. workshop. Yes. And why not learn from the best? What date's that? That is the 4th, 5th and 6th of November in the Gold Coast. So we are just pulling everyone into the Gold Coast this year. Mm. It's going to be an excellent event. We've got a gorgeous venue. Um, Yeah. And some nice social nighttime activities as well. It's going to be something a bit different. And also Bob's education is just second to none. So why not come along? And a great networking time. It is They are great. The events oh, are yeah. Live in-person yeah. workshops. Fantastic. Looking forward to that. So a pretty busy four or five weeks there. We do have a... It's a very busy October. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Great. Anyway, so I don't know. I said, what are we up to and what's going on in your you, world? You asked me. And you, you got it. And you you started on that. But Bob, let's let's cover off on the three biggest problems. And this came to me this morning at the gym. Yes, I go to the gym. Clearly, I go to the gym. That's what you're supposed to say when you see someone. You obviously go to the gym. Um, yeah, I was listening to something, and they, they said, "Oh, we were talking about our three biggest problems." And I immediately text Bob and said, "I think we need to talk about our three biggest problems that our people have, that hmm. that the people that follow us and and learn from us want." So, and we can answer those questions because every time you have a problem, yep. we, we call it an unclosed loop. So there's a loop in your head, and it ends up just flying around. You don't want too many unclosed loops in your head; it'll do you in. It won't do you in. It's bad hairstyle too. No. <laughs> But it stops you moving forward and it adds confusion and it does so much. It drains your energy. You lose traction. Absolutely. Start second-guessing everything. You don't want to be there. Close those loops off. So we thought we'd close them off for you. We will. We will. So let's start with number one, Bob. And the number one is how do I get started? Yeah, it's a pretty simple one, but it's one we meet. Particularly when we, we, we take calls from people who aren't yet in property development, but they'd like to be, they think they want to be. And, oh, how do I get started? You know, and we're not, this isn't a plug for education, so that we assume you've got an education, okay? You've done, you've got a course somewhere, you've done yeah, something. that's a given, I yeah, think. Yeah. I mean, do a property development course. But, so we're not talking that out. How, what are your first steps? You get the how, theory. Yes. You can't put, you can't do the practice if you don't know the theory. Yeah. So get yourself educated, first of all, get the theory in your head. And then have the first problem, which is this. How do I get started? Yep, yep. How do I get started and where do you go from there? Because what happens is is all of a sudden, you talked about open loops. People start thinking, oh, oh, what do I do first? Do I I have to find somewhere? I have to, you know, narrow down my location where I'm going to do something. That's that's one thing. And I think, oh, what am I going to do? Am I going to do a little subdivision? Will I do a duplex? Will I do a you know, dual hockey? Will I do a few townhouses? Next thing, you know, there's four open loops. And they're looking at, at all of those yeah. things, and, wasting and, time. And, and what about money? Oh, gee, I've got to get that sorted. I've got to know what I can afford to do because that'll have an impact on what I do and where I do it. And, uh, oh, and I need people to help me. Who am I, what do I need? You know, do I need a town planner? Do I need an architect? Do I need a surveyor? What do I need first? And, and like, bang, there's about 12 open loops. Yeah, at 12, and then when you've got that many, you don't even take a step forward. It's a no-go. You know what's interesting? You brought up one there about the how much money uh, do I need. So often I talk to people who haven't assessed their finance. No. But we're going to get to that, sorry. We will get to that, but yeah. Yeah, how do you know what to look for yes. and where to look? Because those two things impact on it. But anyway, we'll get to that, as you say. Yeah. So, so how do I get started? Yes, Bob, what, what would be the Bob Anderson number one tip rule? Well, How look, do you get started? Assuming we've got the education thing put aside, yeah, that's a given. we've got the theory. 
there's a couple of things you sort of need to do simultaneously, really. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, get yourself finance assessed. You have to know what you can afford to do. Now, that'll take you in two directions. You may have enough money to do your own project yourself without any help, but you might not. Uh, if you don't have enough money to do a project yourself, then you're going to need an investor. So at least understand first, mm. uh, what can I afford to do? And do I need an investor or, or, my, or, or do I, you know, can I go on my own? Do you know what I always say? Hmm? You need to know what you can afford to do because it's like going out shopping. Are you shopping at Target or are you shopping at Myers? You mm. need to know where to, sh- what you can shop for. Yeah, yeah. Can I afford a $250 pair of shoes or a $750 pair of shoes? I saw some shoes the other day. I kid you not, they were $1,095 for a pair of heels. No, are they the ones you got on you? No, we're podcasting. I'm actually wearing slippers. Oh, there you go. What am I wearing? Bare feet. Bare feet, yeah. Yeah, so, so that's important. Understand what you can afford and then also understand if you need an investor or not. But, but simultaneous to that is, uh, and, and based on what you can afford, what are you going to develop? Mm. Now, property development sort of starts at about a two-lot subdivision. You know, I'm not talking about buying a, a block land, building a house. That's that's just a spec build. That's something different. And if that's what, if that's what you want to do, well, that's fine. Uh, at least, yeah, no, if you can afford to do it. But let's let's say you know something like a two-lot subdivision. So, well, can I afford to do a two-lot subdivision? Can I do something a bit bigger? Or if I do a two-lot subdivision, can I afford to say build houses on those lots? Mm. Uh, and, and you might, that's a possibility. Just, I'm just going to pull that back, Bob, because not everyone is in the same. We've got such a varying level of people who listen to this, and we know we do. We have emails every week, and thank mm. you so much for the for the for our fabulous, easy for me to say, fabulous <laughs> comments that we get back. But when Bob's saying two-lot subdivision, he means just one piece of land cut into two, not developing, putting anything on them. So that's mm. the smallest thing that he's talking about. Yeah, there. yeah, just ending up with turning one, what, what we often call a one into two-lot subdivision, yeah. turning one lot into two not lots. Not necessarily putting a property on no, them. Yeah. No, but uh, so, you know, once, once again, what can you afford? Well, perhaps you can afford yep. to build one house. Maybe you sell one lot and build on the other one. Mm. Maybe you can build on two. Maybe you just sell the two lots. And that's a great strategy, isn't it, Bob? Like selling one and oh. building because it, it's like a, almost like a stage to development. It helps fund yeah. the other side of it. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, depending on the amount of money you have, you could cut cut something into two lots. You could sell the two lots. You could sell one, keep one, build a house on it. You could keep two, build two houses on it. You could build two houses at the How same time. How many times does this man see this? Or, or, it just or you could out. build one, sell it, you, use your profit out of that, put it into the next one. So, you know, there's just... Something yeah. simple. But, you know, you might look at something a bit different. You might be looking at a duplex. Well, you know, it's going to take a bit more money. You've got to build two. You might be looking at a three or four pack. Maybe you've got, you know, extra money. You've got some more money. Uh, the, the thing is, don't go too big too soon. That's golden Always. rule. Always. But we started with, like, how do I get started? And yeah. that started with, a, yeah, with yeah. What knowing can I what afford? you can afford. And then Bob was just going through those, the smaller things. So the, what can I afford? Yes. And based on that to a fair degree, what am I going to do? Yes, and decide on that so and, you're not all over the place. And the other thing then is the location. All those things are interactive because obviously when it comes to location, some places are a lot more expensive than others. Mm. You know, some places you might do a duplex and, and you might sell a unit for $600,000. Other places you do a, a duplex, you sell a unit for $2 million. Mm. So that's going to have a lot of effect on finances and what you can afford. So what you can afford, yes, it dictates the type of development you do, but also the location. Uh, you know, is it a, a mid, mid-market mid sort of place? And so the, the, you can't sort of take those three things in isolation. No. 
Um, there you go. There's an, that's this is answering number one. You cannot take those three things in isolation. They are they are done at the same time. Mm, yeah. So what you can afford leads on to what type of project you might do, which then obviously rolls onto location of where you think you're going to do it. Uh, and pricing is a big thing as well. So yeah, and. Same old story. If you don't have enough money of your own, then you're going to have to look at using an investor. And if you're interested in coming to our meetup, I'm going to be covering off on that one. You will. Yeah, how to be investor ready and how to find yourself an investor and how to approach mm. them, what you need to do. Yeah, and sort of language that you use. Yeah. And, yeah. And so another layer of complexity when you're using an investor. But mm. hey, if that's what you need to get going, that's what you need. As you know, my, my first two projects were those sorts of creative strategies. First one was a vendor finance, second one was a joint joint venture with my um, sister's boyfriend. So, you know, if it gets you going, uh, that's important. If you need an investor to get you going, that's great. And the other thing, when when it's when you said, Bob, you know, where you're looking, what your location is, you have to also think maybe where you live is just way too expensive and you might have to not do it close by to you. Mm. Ideally, people want to, but mm. both Bob and I right now are developing not near us and we're working with people every day yeah. that aren't near us. So. Yeah, developing remotely is nothing new. No. Um, be nice to go see it. Probably 20% of what I've developed in my life has been in other states. Yeah. You know, so nothing new. I suppose that rolls on. To the next one, I mean, how do I get started? Quick recap, get finance assessed, know what you can afford, work out the sort of project project you're going to do, both the type of project and the size of it, and then nail down your location because that will affect Number one ticked off. So that's the first biggest problem done. So what's problem number What's problem number two, Bob? Well, having decided that, you've got to find a deal. Yeah. Because until you've found a deal, you've got nothing. you just got a head full of knowledge. Uh, which is great. You can and uh, I think people, go and teach people. <laughs> plenty of people do. <laughs> Sorry, so it's not enough, actually. It. No, it's you, not. You'd want to do a lot more. But when it comes to finding a deal, yeah. I think people underestimate sometimes the amount of effort that goes into finding a deal. You mm. have to put the effort in. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of moving parts to finding a deal. Obviously, one is, well, where? Yes. And, well, you know the golden rule when we're looking for a deal narrow it down and choose a patch you must have your own patch don't look at you can't have every patch because you <laughs> you, you can't be a, a jack of all trades and a master of none you need to be mm. a master of your patch so pick a yeah. patch and know it inside out yeah yeah what i call become a local expert yeah so if you live in sydney you might think, oh, look, I'm prepared to do a deal anywhere in Sydney. That'll give me the biggest opportunity to find something. Problem is, there's probably 20 or 30 different markets in Sydney, oh, both huge. geographically from a price point of view. And you can't know all of those intimately because one of the things a property developer has to do is they have to know their market, where they are, where they're developing intimately. Mm. They have to be what we call the local expert. And that means really understanding pricing what you need to pay for a site, what a townhouse is worth, what a 400 metre lot is worth if you're doing you know, subdivisions or whatever it is. Uh, you have to know who the local, what I call the movers and the shakers, the right agents, the top agents, the agents that sell sites, sell new projects. You need to know who they are. You need to talk to those people. You need to understand even something like townhouses. You go to different areas and some townhouses are very much larger in some suburbs. Mm. I'm thinking of some suburbs where a three-bedroom, double-garage townhouse might be 150, 160 square metres. I'm thinking of other suburbs where, same thing, three-bedroom, double-garage, two-storey townhouse is, is 220 or 30 square metres. Mm. 
So that's just local knowledge. Uh, and so what you have to do is, is narrow it down geographically to your patch, and your patch could be a council area, it could be a couple of suburbs, but then go deep. That's what you've got to do to become that local expert. And, it, and the whole point of that is that you can make good, commercially sound, quick decisions when you're doing your due diligence to jump on a deal. If it's a good deal, it won't sit there for long. No, but because you know so much about the area, you're, you will be faster to jump. Absolutely. And you need to be pretty much jumping like a kangaroo. Yeah, and that's why you don't want to spread yourself too wide because you won't have that depth of knowledge in that area. Something will pop up, you know, 20 kilometres away. You don't know the area all that well, so you need to go and assess it. You're not sure who to ask. Or... I'm going to add to that, Bob. We know in people, when you do find a deal, it's not about talking to one agent and getting their opinion. You need to, you need mm. to talk to one because it's a tainted opinion. Oh, and... Particularly if it's the selling agent. Oh, for sure. And, and you never know... You just never know somebody's level of knowledge or why they, they could have a bias. Mm. And you, people just have them. So it de definitely pays to talk to a few agents in the area. So mm. you've actually got, yeah. you, you might form a really strong relationship with one, but before you commit to, it's like getting married. You just don't go marry the first person you meet. Well, I wasn't the first person you met, so that's no, probably okay. That's probably okay. Okay. But That's now it. we're stuck. There's no, Bob, you just took us into a hole and now we, what's, no one's got anything to say. Yeah, no. No, okay. but that, that's perfectly correct. And that's why you don't want to take on too big an area mm. because you won't know who the, that, those movers and the shakers are in that area. You won't know the pricing. By the time you, you find these things out and then you do your due diligence, you know, a week or two weeks could have gone past and the deal's gone. If it was any good, it would have mm. gone. To, who would it have gone to? Somebody who has local knowledge in that area, that's who it went to. Well, you're scratching around trying to pull things together. Someone who knows that area would have just snaffled it off you. That's why you need to choose that patch yourself and go deep. I'm going to add to that, Bob, because that's about the learning side of it. Let's talk about the human behaviour side of, yeah. of becoming that local expert. Mm. The first thing was how I mentioned before, making sure you connect with more than one person to hear more than one opinion because people have biases. But maybe realising what you're going to have to give up to find no, that extra no. time to do it. Because if you're already a busy person, where does that time come from? If you're mm. not busy and you spend a lot of time lying on the couch, that's okay. You can use that time. But you have to be realistic about the amount of time that you're going to have to put into to research and find out that information. And that's vital. Mm. And you can't just think, oh, I'll do it at, you know, I'll do it at the end of the day when maybe three nights a week you've got kids sport or you might have something on. You just have to be realistic about your time availability and it might mean you have to get out of bed early in the morning to spend an hour a day researching or doing your homework then. But don't fool yourself into mm. thinking that it's just, oh, yeah, I'll find a property because finding a deal takes time and effort and you might be lucky and get one straight away if you've yep. done your, you know, you have all that knowledge. But it does take time. And I think that sometimes people underestimate yeah. that and, and, they, and they want us to do it for them. They always say that. So where shall I start looking? It's like, well, you've been chosen a patch. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. You know, I mean, I've been talking about what, what to do under the assumption that somebody's highly motivated, they're prepared to put in the effort and this mm. is what you need to do. But what you've raised there is the what you call the human element. Yes. 
I mean, you could take that one step further, Hillary, and say, should everybody actually do property development? That's in my thought process to bring up at the end. I don't think property development is for everybody, and that's okay. I just Mm. think that we work with a certain amount of people and you have to know that they're motivated, you have to know that they are committed to doing it, you have to know that they're willing to communicate with us, with other people. There is so much that that you have mm. to do. And and I, I often say, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Yeah. And it's it's not that it's not easy. We're just not delusional. It takes a bit of work, especially mm. up front. It'll be a little bit scary. Uh, that's getting started, stuff, so finding a deal, a little bit scary. And then it does get easier. I mean, it's sold to you on every platform, everywhere. That this is the easiest thing you'll do. And it's not. You're, you're making big decisions about money and you've got to have the time to do it. And yeah. I think people shouldn't go into it with their eyes I think, shut. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the biggest variable in property development isn't property development. No, it's the Property people. development is very straight up and down. It's it's the people. Yeah. You know, two people do the same course. One goes on and makes millions and millions. One gives up and doesn't do anything. Exactly. It's the human element again, yeah. So let's yeah, recap so. then. So we've gone with how do I get started? And yep. then we've gone to how do I find, find a, deal a deal for like narrowing it down, understanding your patch, doing the work you need to do. Yeah. We've finished on that one, Bob, do you think? P- pretty much, but yep. that's what you need to do. You need to get out there. You need to see what other developers are doing in your patch. Go to open uh, open for inspections. Find out who the, the top real estate agents are there. And they're the ones who are selling new projects and selling sites. They're the ones you need to spend some time with mm. and really just dig deep and, and really understand your market. That's a key to being a successful developer is to really understand your market and understand, you know, by contact with these agents, who your buyers are mm. and what they're looking for, because that's going to flow through to your project as well. So, yeah, there's a bit in it. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. Even like when I watch you, Bob, you're so diligent with your due diligence. Like that is, you are very diligent. And as I personality profile, I know that that isn't your natural. Your natural isn't to do that detail, hmm. but you do it so well. I've seen you sit down and read a contract. I'm, I see you read mentoring students' contracts that are pages and pages long just to check them. Like you do so, you're so much about yeah. getting, ticking those boxes and making it right. Yeah. And that's what I think that's what due diligence is. You can't just wing it. It'll be right. No, it should be right, be. mate. None of that. No, none of that. Yeah. No. no. So yeah, that's that's what you need to do to get out there anyway. And uh, you know, once you've done the first part, find a deal. Yeah. And then just one more thing, in, in just finishing on that, if you are time poor, consider a buyer's agent. Oh, day, you yeah, you're, you're a massive advocate. Even if for you're an not advocate. time poor, consider a buyer's agent. Yeah. The twist, best 20, 20 odd thousand you spend ish, yeah, 15, 20, or whatever it is. But yeah. called buyers advocates in some states, some of the southern states, buyers agents in others, they'll their job is to find you a deal. But you must know how to do the due diligence because they can bring you deals, uh, that may or may not stack up, yeah. And you need to make that call. They haven't had the education that you had, they do their job, yeah. Some yeah. have, some have done our course, yeah. uh, to make themselves better buyers agents, but but. That's a consideration, particularly if you're time poor. Mm. Hmm. All right, number three. Oh, here we go. Oh, this. Let's open this. What's this one? I I know what it is. Here comes the can of worms being opened. How do I get the finance? So the the third problem that we hear very often, and here is the answer to: How do I get finance? How do I get the finance? The well, finance. Finance is a big subject. It's certainly You're so vi- good at finance. Well, it's of interest to me. Certainly. Me too. I find it so interesting. Yeah, the further you dig. I, I could, 
I could easily do a three-day workshop on finance. Mm. Just the whole financial systems and structures that, that, that go behind finance. But anyway, we won't. We won't do that on the podcast. No, I see. So did, I don't know if you're watching that. You see Bob starts talking, and I start leaning in. It's like, yeah, really. But let's talk about this. <laughs> well, let's let's go back to basics. Mm. Uh, finance. How are we going to finance our our project? And and that's back to you know sort of completing the loop. What we talked about first, getting finance assessed. Uh, get a get a good broker to assess your finance and what you can afford. Uh, whether you need an investor, or whether you don't need an investor, that's sort of two two pathways you can go. Mm. But Typical with a uh, with a development, uh, the first it's it's often two loans yeah, during a project. It's not necessarily yeah. one loan. So quite often, when we buy the site, we'll call it the development site. Okay, when we buy it, that's one loan, and quite often then, particularly if we're going to construct something, we're going to build. You know, it could be a duplex, could be some townhouses. When we're going to build a building, the quick process is we buy a site. We get our approvals, we build it and we sell it. You know, that's pretty simplistic, but that's sort of four steps. Buying it, getting the approvals, building it, selling it. Let's just say that. When we buy the site... Is that your four-step system? That's my four-step system. Bob's got a... He's pulled it back to a four-step system. I've done four sixes, 12 sixteens. I've got... Now you pull it right It just depends on the level of detail that you go into. Okay, we're pulling it with a bit of a bird's eye view on this one. Yeah. Yeah. So so with that one... um, Purchasing the site, that's the first finance. And then after we've got our approvals and we want to build, we've got to, obviously got to start spending a lot more money. Mm. That can be the second finance. Now, it could be with the same financier, but it could be with two different ones. Mm. When I say two different ones, you only ever have one loan at a time. But you might, for instance, let's just keep it simple. Um, let's just say a duplex. So we buy a site to do a duplex. It's probably an old house that we're going to knock down. More often than not, that's what it is. That's just an investment purchase as far as a bank's concerned or a financier. And so we buy it. We buy it using the cheapest finance we can. Now, that would be a retail loan from a bank. Hopefully. But not everybody qualifies for a retail loan from a bank. We always go... these days. (laughs) Well, the name of the game is get the cheapest finance that you qualify for, but uh, and, and if it is a retail loan from a bank, then that's fine. That's the cheapest finance you're going to get. Uh, if it's not, if you don't, for instance, your serviceability isn't strong enough to get it from a bank, uh, you can think of alternate finances. There's there's different uh, finances outside of banks that can lend it. Some of them are even uh, low dock finance where you don't even need to prove your serviceability. Uh, so whatever you need, and work through a broker who really understands this, Whatever it is, that's your first loan to buy the property. You make sure you've got a few dollars aside to get your approvals. So you're going to get your development permit, then you're going to get your building permit. Now you might be stuck here because you need more money now to build. That's what the second loan will be. Now that second loan is more like a construction loan. It's called many things. It could be with the same financier that you bought the site with, but it might not be. It might be somebody that a financier that's more orientated towards construction finance, mm. and they will then finance the the rest of the project, but they will pay out the first loan. You'll only ever have one financier at a time. So many people think that they've got to, they're going to have two loans. Don't yeah, they? and they're yeah. oh, we going to afford to pay two loans. Well, it won't. You'll only ever have one loan because the financier only wants a registered first mortgage. They don't mm. want seconds there at this point. So that will they will pay out the first one. And then you go from there. Now, uh, when it comes to finance, 
you might have enough money, you might have enough deposit to buy the site first up. And you might, when you go for the construction finance, because it's more money, you'll have to tip in some more equity at that point. Now you might have that equity and that's great. So you tip in some more money and then you'll get all the construction finance. Then you can build it and sell it and make your profit. That that, that would be the, the dream best. Dream run. The best, yeah. yeah, dream run, the dream one. However, let's say you only have enough deposit to buy the site. And when you get your approvals and it's coming up for the construction finance, you haven't got that extra equity to tip in. Well, at that point, you might need a help from an investor. And so an investor would then loan you the extra capital that you need to then put in to borrow the balance for the construction finance. You might not have enough money to even have a deposit on the first place. Uh, you know, when you buy the site, well, if that's the case, you need an investor from day one to come in with you and support that loan, first of all, for the site, and then support the second loan for the construction. So it does, that's one of the, remember, that's the first thing we said, get finance assessed anyway. So mm. you will know based on what you can afford, the type of cost of project that you're going to do, whether you can do the whole project yourself, that'd be perfect. The dream run, as you call it, just use your own money, not need anybody else. Secondly, you might need someone to help at the construction stage. And it's stage. so common. It is so yeah. normal, very normal that people need yeah. an investor. And, and I mean, knowing that before you start is important because that has a lot to do with the structure that you use for mm. the development, um, how you deal how you deal with the investors as to whether it's a, that investor is an equity partner or just a loan partner. You know, there's, it can, you know without getting too complex, there's, there's a whole range of different directions that can go, but I've, I've tried to keep it simple. Yeah, we've got, we're on step one, two, three, four. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, in the simplest form, you're either going to be able to afford it to do it yourself or you're going to have to get an investor yeah. in. Yeah. And we... I'm, I'm about to throw one in and you'll be like, Hillary, we haven't talked about this. Not that we've talked about stuff this. Out of left field. I do it every week, every, every Q&A. You did it on the Q&A last week. I did the whole, it the whole night. It was great though. And it was about finance as well because mm. people find it very interesting. Bob, what would, say you are going for your construction loan, because I don't think people understand this either and maybe they haven't got their, done their feasibility correctly or there's been a move in the market or something, and then or it's, it's somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing, yeah. and then they won't get uh, what well, their valuations come in are different, which impacts finance. What goes yeah. on there? Can you break that down well, so average people understand what okay. I just said? Well, not wanting to spend three days on it, we'll go that next step because that, that's all relevant. Yeah. When you first buy the site, let's say it's a normal retail sort of loan, it, the bank will want it valued, and that's fine. It gets valued, and, you know, they'll lend you a percentage of that. When you've got your approvals and it's up to the construction phase, it, it might be what's often called a commercial loan from a commercial, all banks have a commercial division or it could be a non-bank, whatever it is, uh, but, but they will need a valuation at that point. So the value will need to ascertain, well, these, this duplex isn't built yet, but what's it going to be worth you know, if it was built? That's the GRV, the, the end value, call it what you like. They'll need to assess that. They'll need GRV to assess, is the end value. Yeah, gross realisation value. <laughs> uh, they'll need to look at a, a proper feasibility of it that has everything in there, you know, all the costs, the land. Well, what they're working at is what the land's worth as well. Hmm. Uh, but it'll have consultants' fees, council fees, finance, marketing, you know, all that. All, all the costs will be in there. It has to show enough profit, enough, you know, the margin has to be right. And look, in, in, a, in a perfect world, uh, the valuer will 
come up with the right number for the land value, for the GRV and the financial flow. Um, you did you did say what happens if someone sort of Hasn't any... stuffs up a bit or doesn't yeah. do their numbers correctly. Well, that'll all be sorted out at the valuation. I did. So I this is why it's important to actually know all the theory of property development before you jump into one. Because probably even so now that... I've spiked questions in people's mind. Yeah, but the point is this, and I know I'm sort of repeating Get well-educated first on property development through a good course. Then you put it into practice. And if you've been educated properly, your feasibilities will be correct. Mm. And so on the way through, you're using correct numbers. And so there shouldn't be any surprises at that construction stage. Now, things can change. And at the moment, we've seen changes, particularly in bill costs. Yes. And, uh, you know, most of last year, we had some good uh, good growth in values. We had bill costs, and, and the, the rise in values outstripped the extra bill costs. Mm. The profits actually started growing, even though bill costs were going up, sale prices were going up to the point that more than the bill costs. At the moment, sale prices have flattened, and in and, and some places they've gone back a bit, uh, but bill costs have, have certainly slowed down. The increase mm. in construction costs slowed down, but it's still going up a little bit. So that is a bit of a review at that point as to whether the, you know, the margin still sticks. And uh, so that, that's the moment of truth with, with the valuation. But as long as you've kept pace with your numbers, as long as you keep readjusting your feasibility on the way through, uh, it, it, should, it should go okay. Great. Thanks, Bill. So let's just recap. Number one biggest problem is how do I get started? Go. Uh, get finance assessed. Based on that, work out the size and type of development that you're going to do. And find your patch. But all of those things, mm. what you're saying is make decisions. Yeah. Decide on things and don't leave open loops in your head, which the hum- that will make the human factor stop you being successful. And then finding the deal, either spending that time doing mm. it yourself. Narrow down your patch. Start near where you live because yeah. that's going to be logistically easier. If, it, if that's not the right patch, then move out a bit. It's where you can do the product that you've decided that you want to do in the price range that you need to support your finance. And then how do I get finance? Well, how do you get it? I suggest if you're not familiar with finance, use a good experienced broker for a start. Uh, probably it's something as simple as a little sub two lot subdivision there might be just the initial finance to purchase it you'll have to have a bit left over to do your subdivision Uh, that might be it but once you start building buildings it'll probably be a two-stage finance step excellent Uh, either and, and you will know whether you can do it on your own or whether you'll need an investor if you need an investor it's a matter of when do you need one and just know that maybe it's not for you and it's not for everybody but do know it's so blue and exciting, and you'll love it when you do do it. That's why I know. we do what we do. Ah, it is so exciting, and the conversations you can have are amazing. And um, you, I think, do it, but you know, that's just me a little bit. Biased. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, but you can if you're committed. Yeah. You've got to be committed. That's for sure. And expect some problems. Expect some Absolutely. speed bumps and a few detours. Yep. Uh, Things more often go a bit slowly than you want, then they actually go faster than you want, and that's life, and that be prepared for that. And there's always going to be a problem. But you a lot of the time, yeah, but they're, they're usually surmountable problems. Yeah, but, but like you just, yeah, and, and dig in. 
There's some easy times in property development and there's some tougher times. you just got to write it out. So, Bob, thank you so much for joining us. As usual, you are a wealth of knowledge. And if you think about it, and property development isn't for you, we do have opportunities available all, all of the time that if you're interested in investing with us, uh, there's a link below. Just reach out. We have opportunities come through all the time. We don't throw you out to the wild west. It's always something that Bob's watching. So you, yeah, you can, can be involved in a property development from the comfort of your armchair. There you go. I'll do all the hard work. We do that. We offer that as well. So just you can click the link below or just simply send me an email and I will get back to you involves the conversation. But anyway, we hope you have a fabulous week and uh, we will catch you next week. Bye. Bye.